say we never have to do a nationwide search to replace Megan McCain. I'm Liz Winstead and we're going to you live from Washington DC. With me are my fellow Buzzkills and co-conspirators Moji Alabodel and Marie Khan. This is our kickoff show and we are in DC because we were at the Supreme Court yesterday following all the action as advocates for abortion and the goon squads representing the brotriarchy came to the Capitol to have their say as the Supreme Court heard a Mississippi case that will decide the fate of Roe v. Wade. And we're gonna break down what it could mean for abortion access with the best legal break it down splainers out there, the hosts of the Boom Lawyered podcast, Imani Gandhi and Jessica Basin Piccolo. And a comedian who radiates righteousness, the one and only Sarah Silverman. Plus one very special man who feels left out of the whole conversation about your body and he'll show his whole ass. But before we get to that, we thought you should probably know who we are and why we're doing this show. Moj? Hi, I am Moji Alawodeyel, AAF Marketing Manager, dope-ass mom, sci-fi aficionado, and I'm geeked to fight the patriarchy. Hello, I'm Marie Khan, Midwest Access Coalition Practical Support Abortion Funder, lover of my cats, Genghis and Shaka Khan, and um, enraged at the state of healthcare access. Hi, and I'm Liz Winstead, lover of cooking, Scrabble, my dog, Mr. Funk, and dragging misogynists for filth. And apparently I'll get arrested for doing it. What? That, <laughs> that was a highlight <laughs> of yesterday, but there is so much at stake. And we were out there at the Supreme Court talking to folks who are fighting to provide and protect abortion access and the vaginal interlopers dedicated to destroying it. Warning, this video has graphic images and triggering language. Hey everybody, it's Liz here and we are at the Supreme Court where in moments, the justices are gonna be hearing arguments on the Mississippi case that could change how we access abortion in our lifetimes. Everything's at stake. Uh, they have brought out all the insurrectionist fun uh, and it has been an absolute zoo. Of course, the media says there are both sides to every argument. There are these supporters of abortion access. The government has no role in my uterus. Not then, not now, not ever. And supporters of, well... The most dangerous place for a baby to be in America is in the womb of a black woman. You are wicked, reprobate, baby-murdering devil. And these are the people informing the anti-abortion politicians who keep passing laws that keep bringing us to the Supreme Court. Abortion is not safe. Abortion does take human life. And it's very, it's very painful. They're ripped apart. 
sometimes they're being birthed and then crushing the head because they want the body parts to use. So why has no one been arrested in these heinous I crimes? I can't answer that, but you might want to look into it. I have looked into it, and the problem is I can't find any um, evidence of that being true as in reports. How many men have had their rights taken away to be fathers because a woman went and killed the baby and they said the fathers don't have rights? How many Probably children have been best. taken away from fathers because women have more rights than fathers when fathers are fathers and want to be fathers? Well, I like changing about, my diapers. How about the men who decided to have sex and didn't do everything in their power not to get someone pregnant in the first place? Well, it takes two to tango and yeah, that's that's much more crap. They should have been raised up to be men. I'm like, if you're going to do it, be a father. Yeah. Or wear a condom. Yes. So do you advocate for condoms? I don't know. I don't like them. <laughs> you can't tell me that all these people don't know how to get on birth control. Everybody I knew had five abortions. I understand it. I was in it. I said, hey, man, my homies took me to the doctor. And the normalization of their messaging has abortion providers terrified. It's not fair for them to take something from women. You can't take from people and and not not give them anything. You can't take from people and expect things to be better. That's not going to happen. And it's just and it's not right. So there were people like I told said earlier. There were people before me who fought so that I would have all all the choices. You know, I've had my kids and you know made my choices, but it's. I'm one of the people who are fighting for my daughter, my granddaughter, my, you know, the next generation. Because just because some people fought for me. It's about control and it's about power and the negative energy here is um, something I haven't ever seen. Um, it's like in front of a clinic when there's a lot of protesters, but it's times like a thousand. Bingo. The majority of Americans overwhelmingly support abortion rights. But just like on January 6th, a dangerous minority shows up in D.C. with their misogyny and their violent rhetoric looking all majority-ish. Shame on you, wicked women! Wicked, evil women! That live in a state of depression! When do you go from relationship to relationship to relationship to some guy beating you? Because you murder your but we weren't going to take that shit sitting down. Or were we? I took this time to reflect on everyone I met today and remembered I did find common ground. It's judicial tyranny and the government has given up its right to make these decisions here, here. for us. Here, here. Yes. Down with judicial tyranny. Yeah, so this was wild. Also, like when you listen to what they said, somehow Justice Thomas made it about personhood. Yes. I thought we were talking about a 15-week ban, not personhood. And nonetheless, he just he was like, Well, at what point can a pregnant person use cocaine? I know. And that's that's and that's the thing that really scares me the most is how do we look at talking about things that weren't about this case, personhood, the three judges really that were, that, you know, we say are on our side, but yeah, we are really were challenging their own um, colleagues. 
in saying, do yes. we want to be the court that is politicized? Are we going to be the court that overturns precedent that people literally have come to enjoy that has made their lives better? Is that who we want to be? And that feels like that feels I, like where we're at. I feel like the answer is yes. And it makes me so uncomfortable. I but know, that's where their questioning was going. It's uncomfortable. And, and Roberts, you know, yeah. Justice Sotomayor talked about the stench of the court, and she straight up said to Stewart, who's there presenting Mississippi side, this is about religion. And if encourage anyone to listen to this, because again, only a few folks are allowed in the courtroom. She she says this is about religion, and he then pivots to call it a philosophical discussion. A philosophical discussion not informed by any any type of valid medical science, in which he immediately is invoking genders of babies, creating these these poverty porn type examples of, of what abortion in his mind is and entirely disregarding the testimonies of individuals who have had to have abortion, who have sought abortion care and the providers that are here to continue to provide this life-saving healthcare. And there was and so just, much conversation about um, the fetus, the fetus, the fetus. And again, yes. Justice Sotomayor yeah. like heroically came in and was like, so when do we worry about the pregnant person? When, when do we talk about them? Um, and unfortunately, I think that Mississippi's answer is, huh? Yeah. yeah. And I also think, too, it's interesting when you listen to the arguments, and, and Marie is right, I encourage you to do so. When you hear people who have never talked to someone honestly about their abortions, you know, when John Roberts can say, it's 15 weeks really different than viability. And it's like, oh, wow. Wow. Yes. Like, you know, to, to, to ask that question, I, I wonder if it was to hear it or if it was to provoke, but the whole thing felt very disconcerting and it felt very mm -hmm. much like Roe v. Wade is gone and that we should be centering the conversation around if Roe v. Wade is gone, where do we go next? How do we advocate? How do we protect abortion access and what do we do? And I feel like we have some experts we have our favorite lawyers on the planet coming up to uh really deep dive into what they heard and moji has the joy and pleasure of talking to them i'm turning it over to you moj yes have no fear our favorite lawyers in the world are here to explain what happened to the court today well yesterday and then either talk us off the ledge or navigate how to live on the ledge for the foreseeable future. <laughs> it is the host of Boom Lawyered Podcast, Imani Gandhi and Jessica Mason Piccolo here with us today. Hi. Hello. Hi. I love your podcast. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> yesterday was wild. Um, we were out in the streets. I know you guys were listening to the arguments. Uh, can you break down what happened in the courtroom? And really, how do you feel about the courtroom vibes? Can I just say black woman to black woman? When I heard that white dude stand up there talking about the most dangerous place for a child oh is in a black gosh. woman's room. Ah, I think I blacked out. Oh my like, gosh. Every single time I protest at a clinic, they say this. They say this. This is a, in what world? I, I know. 
they hung up billboards about it in black neighborhoods in the early 2010s. I mean, the thing that is, I mean, you look at the guy, look at the guy who was saying those words. As a black woman, is that a guy you're going to feel safe around? Right? Never, like, not once, ever, never. <laughs> that is a guy I'm crossing the street to get away from whenever possible. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yes. And it's and it's it's remarkable to me that these folks expect us to believe that they are so concerned about the welfare of black people in this country. And they're so concerned that they're not enough of us thriving here in these United States that they want more black babies to be born. And so that's why they're so concerned about the abortion rate in the black community. Because damn it, Moji, there just aren't enough <laughs> black people being born. And you know, <laughs> and this like, is what keeps them up at night. Also, like, let's be honest, if there were less black uh, people, who would the police shoot? <laughs> and, and, and to take your point to a further, to, to its logical conclusion, you know, they talk about being so concerned about not enough black babies being born. But then when they're born, they grow up. Babies don't stay babies. They grow into black boys and they grow into black men and they grow into black men that the cops shoot in the, in the street. And then these same people who are screaming out in front of the Supreme Court are on Twitter talking about, well, he should have complied or he yeah. was no angel. Mm, did he smoke weed when he was in third grade? Yeah. I mean, it's just, we cannot win as black women in this country. We can't win. Well, let's loop in the white ladies. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to find a connection to Sam Alito from the guy in the in the uh, first coat. Because oh I mean, I'm sure they're cousins or something. The court oh, was sure. a mess. Though. I mean, truly, what we heard yesterday was, um, to, for a start, you know, Scott Stewart in the state of Mississippi let us all know that Roe and Casey are the reason that democracy is on the ropes in this country, <laughs> that they are anti-democratic decisions and that it is up to the will of the people to decide our rights. And that that is a line that got a lot of traction and that's terrifying. Also, Justice Sotomayor does not deserve to have the weight of all of us on her shoulders all the time. That was really a tremendous performance that she had and it was really her day, but it is just not right mm -hmm. that that is the role that she has and she is excellent and she really absolutely laid down the truth of what these bans are, you know, that they are racist, that they're classist, that they are designed to keep people in difficult uh, situations and entrenched in poverty and without choices and who those people are. She made all of those connections and Amy Coney Barrett thinks you can just give up your baby and go back to work and it's no big deal. So. Just to you know, drop your baby off at the fire station. Baby be gone. No big deal. Just put it in a box. That was another thing that was wild well for me. These are the same people who are not at all invested in any sort of um, maternity care or like post-baby care. Like, oh my gosh, never that. I mean, we're, we're literally fighting right now over four weeks of parental leave, right? They want to force people to have children force people to give birth, even if they're not going to parent those children, like force people to give birth and then drop the kid off at the firehouse and then just go back to work. Like it's no big deal. As if giving birth isn't a, isn't a process for some people it involves major surgery mm -hmm. for a lot of people. And what are you supposed to do? I mean, Jess has told me stories about what it was like for her after her C-section. I've never had kids, but I, 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 I talked to my friends about it. I mean, it's, I've had a, one yeah. of those and it's six weeks when a lot of people go back to work. I was like, I don't know how this is done. I don't understand no. how this is done. And you're not allowed to drive. Go upstairs when allowed. you're like eight weeks postpartum. Think about a stair then. That's what you can do. Like, that's the reality. <laughs> 
So a lot of us thought based on the SB8 hearings from um, in November that perhaps Kavanaugh would be a swing vote in favor of not gutting Roe, that maybe it wouldn't be the bloodbath that it seemed to be yesterday. Um, but yesterday was distressing. What do your legal I, opinions think will happen if the court rules in favor of Mississippi and we go into this new post-Roe world? I just want to I just want to say something about Kavanaugh for a minute. I mean, <laughs> we had a happy hour yesterday, and we had Ellie Mistal of the Nation on, and the way he laid, the way he laid into Kavanaugh was just brilliant. He basically said that. And I agree with him that Kavanaugh is the least intellectual member of the court. Yep. But he asks questions that are just inherently stupid, right? I mean, he asked the question, well, is the, the court's not pro-life or pro-choice, is it? Well, you know, you're not, the court can't, can't mandate abortion or prohibit abortion. I mean, are you seriously going to sit there and try to convince the American people that the court is neutral when you and five of your homies literally put on the court for the purpose, for the thing that you are about to do right now? Yep. And then you're trying to say, well, it's not, it's your fault that you're making us come in here and even decide these issues. How dare you dirty abortion lovers bring your little complaints about rights into my courtroom and then force me to have to make a hard decision. Yeah. I mean, I think what Kavanaugh and the conservatives will do, what we heard and sort of through the tea leaf reading is that they will support the Mississippi ban. They will let this take effect. And then they will gaslight all of us and tell us that what they didn't do is just strip away our rights. And, and, you know, I've been saying this a lot today because I've been seeing what I think is, is genuinely a stage of denial, right? Like people are not prepared to accept that what is happening is happening, yep. right? Two generations of women and pregnant people in this country have, some of them have been able to rely on abortion. I mean, it, technically it's been available yeah. whether or not they can access it. Or but that's two generations of women who have relied on this decision. And the justices yesterday just dismissed it out of hand like it was no big deal. Yeah. I think it was Kavanaugh even said, like, we haven't even really had that much reliance on it. Just said it and then moved on. As if Julie Rickleman hadn't just said multiple times that one in four women in this country get an abortion. Yeah. That's 25% well, of us. I mean, we How know that, that they're very... We know that they're very quick to ignore women. That's what, exactly what they did to Julie Rickleman. That's what they're doing to people in this, pregnant people in this country or people who can become pregnant. Um, I am so loving talking to you, Jessica and Imani, but, and I could do this all day, but we have, I have to wrap it up. Will you guys come back soon and talk to us more about lawyering and abortion? Whenever you want. Would love to. I would love will it. be listening for that. Thank you so much, Jessica and Imani. Everyone, Bloom Lawyered episodes drop Mondays and are available wherever you pot it up. Coming up next, Liz talks to comedian Sarah Silverman. But first, we're going to take a quick break to roll in some of our sponsors. And by sponsors, we mean commercial parodies we made. I mean, who are we kidding with abortion sponsors? You're asking about, yeah, blackout. I don't know, have you? Could you answer the question, Judge? Is that your answer? Yeah, and I'm curious if you have. Beer. You that. I like beer. I don't know if you do. Okay. Do you like beer, Senator, or not? Um, what do you like to drink? Next one is... Senator, what do you like judge. to drink? This is a circus. Consequences will be with us for decades. But you'll never get me to quit. Never. What goes around comes around. Yes, we drank beer. Uh, my friends and I, the boys and girls. Yes, we drank beer. I liked beer. Still like beer. 
We drank beer. The, yeah, we drank beer. Probably had too many beers. Any beers? We drank beer. We liked beer. This whole two-week effort has been a calculated and orchestrated political hit. Revenge on behalf of the Clintons. The committee has a letter from 65 women who knew me in high school. You also have a letter from women who knew me in college. One of those women friends from college sent me a text last night that, quote, you're a good man, a good man, a good man. A text yesterday from another of those women friends. Third text yesterday from yet another of those women I'm friends with from college. Those are some awesome women. Christmas time, we sit around and he regales us with old stories, old milestones, old weddings, old events from his calendars. In the summer of 1981, I had worked construction. In the summer of 1982, my job was cutting lawns. I worked out with other guys at Tobin's house. Master Ass, an incredible series that you never want to watch. Oh my God. Uh, thank you so much. We are so excited for our first show to bring on comedian, writer, actor, activist, whose podcast is weighing in on all the important stuff in the news and also talking to regular folks who are desperately trying to navigate this messed up world. Please welcome my dear friend, Sarah Silverman. Hi. Yay. What's happening? Uh, I love that master ass. You know what? I mean, listen, just if I were to give notes comedically, there's a lot of times where he's moving in his seat and you could have added farts there. I just want to say, I, you know. You know, you're always looking and finding the gold where the farts live. I think it's yeah. important. So Sarah Silverman, one of the reasons that I'm so excited you're on our first show is because you in your podcast do something that most people, and by most people, I mean people like me, who are like firebranding people, right? <laughs> We're just like taking people on, not really giving people a shot. And you, you know, have great opinions and you'll put them out there about the world. But I think, and I love that because I love your opinions. But what I love the most is the fact that you open it up to regular folks who are just trying to navigate the world and folks that you oftentimes are like, not maybe going to agree with how is it that you decided to take on people and think about maybe how people are navigating the world sorry that was my alarm um okay. you know i i never really plan anything out as you know and i <laughs> with this podcast, I really didn't plan it. I just, I wanted to have people to have, I wanted people to have access to call in and say anything they want. And it just really became what it became. You know, I didn't think it was going to be like an advice show or, a, you know, anything like that. And I really planned it to be just silly and aggressively dumb. And, you know, sometimes we still do that, you know, um, and I'm, I try desperately to get every week I go next week, I'm not going to go deep. I'm just going to be, you know, light and, you know, but it always just leads me there. And, uh, I've become my mother where I just really think I can help people. And, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, she, you know, I mean, it's like, I've really become her, like, I'll be like in line at Seven Eleven and just see this 19 year old getting 
an orange soda and the bag of Doritos. And I'm just like, really? Almonds are the same price. This is what you're going to put inside your human body. You know, and I'm just like, God, yeah, if you came up to me and said that, I'd say almonds are destroying the environment, bitch. Like, I mean, like be, that'd be making an excellent point. <laughs> they, they waste water terribly. And yeah. Make the case for Cheetos all the time. I'm always, I'm always <laughs> making the case for Cheetos. Well, Cheetos um, make the case for the vaccine. It's like, really, you're not going to take the vaccine. You, you eat Doritos, you know, yeah. you're like your fingers Doritos. are stained orange. I know. Yeah. Do you, do you know what's in that? <laughs> I know. It's huh? crazy. I said, maybe they reverse the vaccine your Cheetos, you know, maybe they're just like an amazing thing that we don't know yet in the universe, which I'm very excited about. So my question then is, you open yourself up to folks. Um, how do you, how do you screen or do you say, I am going to open myself up to some risky things and has anything ever backfired for you in opening up the conversation to people who you were like, I want to hear from this person. And then it went way South. No. Uh, well, it Fortunately or unfortunately, it's voicemails, and occasionally I'll be like, I need to know more, and and we'll call, um, or try to connect with the person so that they can. But but usually, you know, I I'm always looking for calls that aren't agreeing with me or that make new points, and I've been changed by callers who are smarter than me or who you know um, put light on things I didn't understand or. And, um, and I do enjoy, um, people who aren't just, you know, agree with me and have the same ideologies as me, but a, a lot of calls do because there are listeners and there are people who enjoy what I have to say, but I do really like when people challenge me and I'm, you know, interested in that. And, um, I don't always agree, and but sometimes I do, or or I at least understand where they're coming from or where their fears are ignited from. And I'm very interested by the study that says when we're in fear, we make conservative choices. It makes so much sense in my own body and understanding other people and how they make mm -hmm. their choices. I mean, there, there are people who are against abortion, for instance, who... Um, who uh, are afraid of eternal hellfire. I have a friend yeah. who married uh, her wife and her whole family didn't come to the wedding, not because they don't love her, but because they're terrified of attending a gay wedding that they will go to hell. Oh my God. Sarah, we have to wrap. Um, I, have, I have 30 seconds, I but I want you just to um, talk to me about Abortion is the hardest topic to talk about when it comes to hearing other people's views, other people's minds. Um, there was an art, there was an op-ed in the New York Times that where feminists from both sides need to come together. And I'm a firm believer that you can't call yourself a feminist if you believe in oppression. Um, do you think you could ever find common ground with somebody who would like to uh, oppress somebody and take away their rights? Well, uh, yeah, I... I... I understand what it is, and I say this in my act, but I, I'll just say the I do understand with, with anti-choice activists, I don't like what they do, and I love what you're doing to counteract that. It's so much misinformation. I mean, you know, we had a president for four years saying people who want, uh, you know, people are murdering babies after they're born, and, you know, all this just lies just great insane lies 
But the one thing I connect with them on is believing something with my whole heart, so much so that I want other people to believe it. The, the caveat is, if what you believe is righteous, you should be able to convince people using only what is true. And these people aren't basing what is what what their beliefs on science, but more often their fears. And um, yeah. I think that's right. I, and we have to leave it there so fast. There's so okay. two seconds. I love with you. you. I love you. Thank you for coming on. Please come back and thank you for doing what you do because your podcast is incredibly wonderful and gives people access to voices they don't have access to. So thank you. I love you. Thank you. you, thank you. And go feminist buzzkill. Yay! Sarah Silverman's pod drops Thursday, so subscribe and watch on her YouTube channel or listen wherever you do that sort of thing. Great show. Oh my God. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Imani. Your biggest takeaway? Oh, oh yeah. Um, Mine is definitely Amy Coney Barrett's idea of reproductive options is extending drop-off hours at the firehouses. (laughs) Marie? (laughs) Well, I learned that Brett Kavanaugh, he really, he speaks like the cryptic language your divorced friends use on, on Instagram. <laughs> and he probably doesn't have a beer sponsor. I'm, I'm going to hazard that bet right now. <laughs> I think that my biggest takeaway is that, um, of course, Clarence Thomas thinks fetuses have personhood because he thinks that a pube and a Coke can have more humanity than actual women. So that was... <laughs> my takeaway from that and we have um we got to wrap it up y'all we, we started yeah. a little bit late with technical difficulties we got to wrap moji take us out yeah that's the show thanks again to sarah and the boom lawyer team thanks to you for watching our first episode and hanging in with us here at fbk live new episodes will drop on thursdays at 4 p.m so subscribe share and spread the word That's right. Next week, we have a great show. We're joined by Dr. Michelle Goodwin, author of Policing the Womb, who will be here to talk about how a fetus may already have more rights than you. Plus, musician and activist Jackie Benson will be here to perform and talk about how activism plays a role in her life and her music. And if you can't watch us on the YouTube, you can listen to all of our FBK Live episodes on the Feminist Buzzkills pod, which drops on Sundays, wherever you do your potting. And to take us out, a sexist super fan who graciously showed us his whole ass. We want to pretend abortion is a woman's issue. It is not a woman's issue. It is a man's issue. Pray tell, why is that so? Because the one that God has ordained to protect and provide for women and children are men! Do you understand what abortion does to manhood? Feminist Buzzkills Live is a production of Abortion Access Front. Subscribe to our YouTube at aafront.org slash fbksub.